History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 years old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. So we're here with Pastor Phil McCallum, my good friend, who is the pastor of Evergreen Church in Bothell, Seattle, in the USA. And uh, last night we came and saw their Christmas light spectacular, absolutely amazing. Now, Pastor Phil was the guy that planted New Hope Brisbane, the church I'm the pastor of. Uh, We've been good friends for many years and it's been a dream of mine to come over here and see what he's doing uh, in this amazing church. Uh, So Pastor Phil, welcome along. Tell us a bit about uh, the Christmas light spectacular you guys have at your church here. Well, thanks for asking. It's called Evergreen Lights Mm -hmm. and it's 700, thousand light bulbs on the outside of the building and it brings about 50 to 60,000 people from our community who come which in our city most people have never visited a church before we did a survey we found in our neighborhood 60% of the people have never walked inside of a church building and in this area probably somewhere between 2 to 4% of people actually attend a church so we want them to have a positive experience on the church property Everything is free compared to other light shows that would charge for parking, that would charge for entry. Uh, they're charged nothing. And uh, we give away free cookies that are baked hot every day. Uh, and then they experience Christmas concerts. So we, do, we did 19 of them this year. So what was normally our Christmas Eve event, uh, we just multiplied it through the entire month. So we had 5,500 people come and these are not church people most of them have never been inside of a church building before and over the years we've built a lot of trust this is year 12 and they're really happy to come in so on the night of the light shows we just go out into the crowds and there can be anywhere from you know 500 to a thousand or two thousand people outside and we just say hey come on into the light show uh, sorry into the concert and people just stream through the door so we give them great music, it lasts for about a half an hour, mm-hmm. and they get a short gospel message and an opportunity to pray the sinner's prayer, and we see a lot of fruit from that, and wow. people come back to church as a result. Mm. I just love the fact that you're reaching your community. Uh, you've always been very evangelistic, always had a passion to, to reach the lost. And, uh, you know, I know here in Seattle, you know, it's the home of Costco, uh, Starbucks. Uh, what, what else was started here? Uh, we have a little company called Microsoft just down the road. So most of our people would work for Amazon, Microsoft, or Boeing. Those would be the three major companies. Mm. Uh, so people here are either engineers or coders. They, they um, like evidence mm-hmm. for what they believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like things done well. They're also really international. So our community come from everywhere. Mm. There are 90 languages spoken in this neighborhood. And so we have 40... 40 languages on our front doors that say welcome home in 40 different languages. And so people feel accepted. And I know you guys uh, are very active using the Alpha course here in your church. Now, we love Alpha. We've done Alpha so many times. And, uh, you know, for those who don't know much about the Alpha course, tell us about how you're using it in your church. Yeah, um, Alpha is the center of what we do. And Alpha is primarily about creating um, the table, a place of 
welcome, acceptance, hospitality. Uh, it actually started with two guys we had who uh, one had just come to faith and they both been through culinary school in New York and they surprisingly met each other here at Evergreen. They knew each other from culinary school and they happened to meet each other here. And uh, they came to me with this vision of what they would do in our kitchen. And it, I realized after that conversation, it was the beginning of Alpha. Mm. And so now we do three Alphas a year. We've had, I think, about 2,800 people who've gone through the Alpha course in the last five years. Mm. And uh, through Alpha, they find the space to belong before they believe. And um, you know, we see a lot of people who've come to faith. Most of our church has gone through Alpha, uh, and it creates this um, environment where it, not only are people discipled in their faith, but they understand what is a small group. They understand how to serve. They understand uh, how to listen. Because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's often missing in evangelism is the power of questions mm-hmm. and asking people questions and really listening to what they have to say. It's such a great uh, course that in all different languages around the world, I was actually in Melbourne recently when they launched the Chinese Alpha yep. in Australia and I was able to watch it uh, take place at this massive church called Crossway uh, and, you know, it's taking the Chinese world by storm now. Lots of Catholics are doing Alpha. Yep. It's so great to see uh, many people around the world doing Alpha. So if you haven't done an Alpha course, search yep. it up. It's on YouTube. It's online. You can search it up. Uh, now, the other thing, Pastor Phil, that... Uh, has really influenced me uh, from your ministry is when I first started visiting New Hope Brisbane and you gave me an opportunity to preach on New Year's Day uh, when I was about 30 years old or something, before you asked me to be the pastor, uh, (laughs) you said to me, you've got to be doing your daily devotions. You've got to read through the Bible in a year, do this journaling thing. And for 17 years now, I've been doing it. It's changed my life. And wherever I go, I'm telling people, you've got to be in the Word every day. Uh, Tell us about what you're doing these days with your daily devotions. The same thing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the Holy Spirit wants to mentor us in the way that we are to live, the ministry we're supposed to do. And half of prayer is listening and the other half is us speaking back to God. Mm. And the listening side is listening to the word, receiving that, and that simple little four-step process, writing down the scripture, and then writing out a clear understanding and observation of that, and then the application, how's my life going to be different, and then prayer uh, is really profound. They, by the way, they spell soap, and mm-hmm. then people get it. But it's the fastest way that people grow spiritually. I think mm. we saw during the pandemic Um, a lot of fear and anxiety and basically whatever people were afraid of came to the surface and as a result we had all kinds of reactions whether it was conflict or conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff but it was the people who were in the word who were able to rise above the fear and step into faith Mm -hmm. and you can almost tell who was in the scripture and not in the scripture Mm -hmm. the the word is everything Mm -hmm. and it's the way people grow the fastest Mm -hmm. absolutely awesome and I encourage people you know to look up you know, how to do daily devotions, the soap devotions. Uh, my wife and I do the life journal plan on you version. Uh, every day it just comes up on my app and I read through the scriptures and I write down what God's saying. Uh, such a great way to start the day every day. Now, we've got a few connections I want to unpack in this interview. Uh, we just had a, a bit of a morning tea together and you were reminiscing about the days when my wife was your boss. Yes, she, was. she was running an Optus World shop 
and she employed you. Uh, was she a good boss? Tell, tell us about that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carol was and is an amazing human being. Mm. And uh, she had just was really coming back to her faith mm -hmm. at that point. But uh, just exuded, she showed me how God intersected with the business world. Mm. And that's now become one of the major strengths of my ministry. And I think what I learned during that period of time at Optus World uh, <laughs> was, was how faith and daily uh, life, faith and the business world came together. Mm. And so, yeah, she was a huge influence. And the Lord gave me a promise the day that she hired me. Though no eye has seen, no ear has heard, the mind of man has never imagined the wonderful things God has prepared for those who love him. Mm. And I said to Carol that day, I said, I feel like today's a really special day and that something really profound is going to happen in the future. And who would have thought? So in those days, my wife helped Carol to begin to pray for a future husband, which mm -hmm. led to you. Mm -hmm. And then the first Sunday that New Hope Brisbane began services, I remember opening the front door of the the auditorium where we're meeting and Carol was the first to walk through the door. You were a little later because you were back in the lobby talking to people. <laughs> and then uh, you became uh, the pastor of the mm. church. And who would have thought? And now here we are in Bothell, Washington. Mm. And no eye has seen, no ears heard. We have no idea what God has prepared for us. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful story of how uh, the Lord... Uh, did that work in Optus World and, and you know, you prayed with Carol for a husband one day and, and then here, here I turned up. Um, but we also had a connection as well because I'd heard you preach years before at a Wesleyan Methodist National Conference and I was so inspired when I first met you. Uh, and then uh, for those who don't know the story of how New Hope Brisbane began, uh, I understand it was at a picnic table at Indrapilly with your wife and two kids, you were dreaming. Tell us a bit of that story. Yeah, so uh, when we planted the church, we, it was just me and my wife and our two kids. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the church. And so uh, we began to pray that God would send harvesters in to help us. And he sent five remarkable couples that mm -hmm. we began it together. And so we started Bible studies mm -hmm. in well, first we were at the picnic table, yeah, mm -hmm. and then we did in our living room these Bible studies, mm -hmm. which then led to our preview event. And uh, we put together, I think, f five different events where we would invite friends. And they said, who's going to come? And I looked at them and I said, well, Jesus has made you fishers of men. Go out there and start fishing and bring them. And they brought 270-some people who came to those five preview events. Mm -hmm. And out of that 90 people... Uh, said they wanted to become part of the core. Mm -hmm. And the first Sunday, we had 166 people. Wow. And that all happened in the span of about seven months. Mm -hmm. And I had I talked to all the, the, the pastors in the area and letting them know we're going to start a church. And they all said, it's going to take you a long time. It's going to take you five years to get to 100 people. Mm. And I remember our church anniversary, the first year, we had 220 people, something mm. like that. Mm. And it just showed that God's favor was with us and don't always listen to everybody's perspective <laughs> because they don't have your call and anointing and just yeah. step into what God's got for you to do. Yeah, amen, amen. And I've loved that uh, the focus with New Hope Brisbane and of course, Pastor Wayne Cadero, New Hope uh, Oahu and the, the whole New Hope Church movement. One of the, the sayings that we always say is that uh, we do church as a team. Mm -hmm. 
it's not all up to the pastor and the staff to do it. We, we all get to play. We all uh, use our spiritual gifts to serve in the body of Christ, you know. There might be people watching and listening to this thinking, you know what, I don't know how to serve. I don't, I don't know if I've got any gifts, you know. What would, you, what would your encouragement be to them to step out and fulfil the call on their life? Well, Jesus began a volunteer movement and he was the first volunteer. And so the church is at its core um, a, a gathering of volunteers who want to bring the kingdom of God to wherever it is that they live. And each person's got unique gifts and abilities and those are found as we begin to serve. And we really don't know what our gifts are until we get into a place where we can help people. And then those gifts begin to come to the surface and they shift over time. Mm. What you might've done in one church setting isn't necessarily what you're gonna do in the next church setting because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are dynamic. Mm. And we only understand them by getting into the game. And mm. I don't think it's important that we start at the ideal of where we want to be. It's mm. just do whatever needs to be done. Mm. And the simple things that we do mm. that are done with love have eternal impact. Mm. Now, the other thing we have in common is we both have a love for Israel. Yes. I've been over a couple of times. You've been over many times. Uh, tell us a bit about what you feel God is stirring your heart, uh, stirring in your heart about your connection with Israel. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Philip, and I'm named after the evangelist in the book of Acts. And Philip had a life that was a bridge between cultures. It was a bridge between uh, the Messianic believing world and with the rest of the nation. So he... He started by reaching out to the, the, uh, the Greek widows, then he went to the Samaritans, then he went to the Ethiopian, then he lived with the Italians in Caesarea. And I feel like that's the call of my life. I've, all my life I've been exploring Philip's life. And I feel like in this last season, he's called me to uh, develop something I'm calling Philip's house. So it's not me, it's Philip, it's his house. Mm -hmm. And his house was a place where uh, leaders from around the Roman and Greek world spent many days. So he obviously had a large house. It was relaxing. Um, and it was a place where young people had a vital part to play. He had four daughters who prophesied and spoke the word of God. And then prophetic leaders came from the Messianic church and spoke life into the, the Romans and Greeks. Uh, so what I feel in my spirit is to create a way that the believers in the land of Israel uh, can speak life into people from the nations. Mm -hmm. And so uh, over the last five years, six years, the Lord's opened some remarkable doors with uh, Messianic believers, Israeli believers, and with Arab Israeli believers. And those relationships are growing and expanding. Israel's a very exciting place. It's a very young country filled with lots of young people. They have a very powerful youth movement. They experience a lot of hardship and persecution. Uh, but they're overcoming mm. and they're looking to build friendships with leaders from around the world and they want people to come. Mm. As one of the leaders, young leaders said to me, he said, I like it when people overseas come and visit our country because it gets both secular and religious Jews asking questions, why are all these Gentiles coming? Mm. And then opens up more doors and makes it possible for them to share their faith more. Mm. Well, I'm so excited to hear about this new ministry being birthed and hopefully I can hang out with you in Israel one day and, and join in with what your plans are. Um, now, there's probably a lot of people watching and listening to this from Australia mm -hmm. and I know you still have mm -hmm. a, uh, a heart for our nation. 
have you got any last, you know, bits of encouragement or inspiration you want to share? You know, because I know you're still connected to a lot of people in Australia. What, what do you want to share with Aussies right now? Uh, well, I'm still an Australian citizen <laughs> and I got two passports. Uh, so I have a vested interest. Um, I think in Australian church life, there's always this tendency to look overseas and to f find the next new thing that God is doing somewhere else. And yeah, it, it's good to travel. It's good to see things, but never underestimate the wonderful things that God is doing in Australia. Mm -hmm. I think there's something so powerful about becoming comfortable in our own skin. Mm -hmm. um, God hasn't asked me or you or anyone to copy anybody else. Mm -hmm but we should become experts on the places where we live. There's no one who knows how to reach your community better than you. Mm -hmm. um, I humbly say, I'm the expert on Bothell. If yeah. I'm not, I shouldn't be a pastor here. And you're an expert on Brisbane mm. and the people who live there, and that's mm. a totally different scenario. Mm. Uh, so I think become more comfortable in your own skin and realize you've got something profound to offer to the rest of the world. Mm. You look at the last 25, 30 years, just think what Australians have done for worship around the world. Mm -hmm. And um, to see the church on the public platform in a place of influence, um, doing some things that probably were much f further beyond mm -hmm. uh, the American church and the European churches. Um, I think there should be a sense of just contentment or a right sense of pride. I don't mean a, an arrogance, mm -hmm. but a sense of confidence that God is using you. There are unique things. And to spend some time reflecting on what strengths do you have, what do you have to bring to the table, mm -hmm. and to develop those things, rather than just always looking to somebody else and mm -hmm. copying from them. Mm -hmm. Well, Pastor Phil, it's been awesome to catch up with you today. And I do encourage people to search up Evergreen Church in Bethel and uh, check out their lights that's all on their website and Facebook and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we just uh, have loved spending some time with you today. Phil, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt. And thanks also for taking over New Hope Brisbane. You've stayed there faithfully for 17 years. Mm. And Leslie and I planted the seed, but you've taken care of it. And God's blessing you and really proud of you. All glory to God. Thank you so much for uh, trusting a young 30-year-old evangelist to have a crack at that church. So thank you so much. God bless. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater, and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Matt Prater's latest book is now available. History Makers, Devotions, Downloads and Dad Jokes. It will take you on a journey through God's Word and will hopefully give you a few laughs along the way. It's just $15 plus postage. Order now at historymakersradio.com. Discounts available for bulk orders. The heart behind this book is to challenge people to get into the habit of daily devotions with Jesus. Find out more at historymakersradio.com. Station sponsor.